I was thinking about how in Ghost Protocol, they brought in Jeremy Renner. Oh, right. Jeremy Renner was brought into two franchises. I was going to say, The Bourne. He was the next Bourne. He was the Bourne legacy. Oh my gosh. And both times, audiences were like, no. (laughs) You know how The Rock always says, like, oh, I get brought in to save franchises? (sighs) It's like Renner gets brought in to, to just <laughs> tank yeah. a franchise. It's like, oh no, just kidding. It's just like Jack Donaghy trying to tank NBC. Just like, we got to kill oh this God. thing. Get Renner in here. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. I'm Steve Parkhurst. And we're back with another classic 90s action movie to discuss. In fact, like one of the namesakes of this podcast. Yeah, I don't know why we've been putting this one off so long. It feels like it should have been one of the first. I I think it's because it it wasn't streaming, (laughs) which we'll touch on. We will. I have a hot take on streaming that we'll get to. But it's actually it's it's kind of different from from the la- from previous hot takes on on cinema. It's uh, a brand new, the hottest take, just, uh, white <laughs> just hot, nuclear nuclear takes. But so we've we've got our first Brian De Palma film, which is a little surprising given given his history. But we are talking, in fact, about Mission Impossible. Boom! 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 Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Which is Brian De Palma's 1996 take on the 1960s TV series. And it's kind of funny because this movie does actually feel like an episode of television. It's, it's, it's movie length. It's a, it's a full feature length film, but it has the feel of a TV series It has the cadence of a TV show. Yeah. You pointed it out. I'd never picked up on that before. I hadn't either. Honestly, it's got like act breaks, like it fades to black. Actual act breaks. You can uh, like, it's almost as though it was designed to air on on TV with Wendy's ads. Yeah, on like AMC or, or, or like TNT or yeah. something. Yeah, you have an actual pre-credits teaser, pre-title sequence teaser, which is sort of a lost art, I feel like. Something that really like, you know, you just smash cut into those fucking titles. It's something that the newer Mission Impossibles, all Missions Impossible, <laughs> all still do. We'll get into the kind of later films in the series and I I do kind of want to touch on that franchise because I enjoy it very much. Yeah, it feels like they really took the inspiration from the TV show, which I admit I've never seen. Yeah, me neither. I don't (laughs) I think we're fine. It's fine. Uh I'm sure it was kind of goofy nineteen sixties fun. Yeah. Seems silly. They did know how to have fun in the sixties. Too much wise. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> Maybe a bit. like a little, a little zany, a little yeah. wacky. I, I don't love sixties humor in most of the places yeah. that I've seen it. It's always been a little just broad, broad. Yeah, mm. um, but not in a fun like Buster Keaton way. Just in a like, oh god, you guys need to discover psychedelics already let's <laughs> this is awful but this the movie holds up well it's kind of great that there's no weird politics in this movie i mean the existence of the imf is weird and i don't fully understand <laughs> what they are who they are why this is happening but like you know if you just accept as as read like that the imf exists no weird politics here 
No weird, like, ooh, brown people as terrorists. No nothing. Not even, like, the Air Force One politics of just, like, we're going to be interventionist and it's good. Right. Actually, now that you say that, the franchise has never really had super weird politics. You know, it's still America, rah, rah, rah kind of shit, but it's much smaller and more focused and it's become sort of a running joke that the IMF is kind of goofy shit. (laughs) Like... They're always fucking up. Yeah. Everyone's always getting disavowed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things are always going to hell. They acknowledge that the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, you know, all those other agencies exist in the world yeah. of Mission Impossible. So it's funny that also IMF is there just, just tripping over their own dicks. <laughs> Full of moles and holes and all sorts of janky shit. It is kind of an international team like at least in this movie i feel like you've seen a lot more of the of the sequels than i have i i liked mission impossible 3 and i like have seen a couple of the subsequent ones but but i don't really remember much about them except like insane things that tom cruise has done well that's a character flaw on your part because (laughs) they're great uh yeah uh Gosh, we haven't even gotten into the plot. Oh, right. Yes. Yet. The plot of the first Mission let's, let's Impossible. Let's quickly burn through the plot because I have a lot to say about the franchise and I don't, I, an hour will go by and we'll have not even talked about <laughs> it. The plot is actually less labyrinthian than I Right. This it has it has a, a reputation, I feel, of being this twisty turny and like... Not really. Not really. I was confused as shit as a kid. I didn't right. know what the hell was going on. And watching it again, is like, oh, no, I, I get it. I it's get it. It's pretty straightforward. I was confused because I was a, a baby. Right. I was like nine when this came out, so uh, right. probably saw it around 10 or something. And I was theoretically smart for a 10-year-old, but not super sophisticated. <laughs> Uh, unlike now, the the fine sophisticate that you are. I'm trying to like burp on command or something. <laughs> it's not working. Anyway, the anyway, plot of Mission okay, Impossible. So I'm not going to go through the whole plot. I'm just going to kind of lay out the general premise, which is that an IMF team is in Prague to do a fairly simple mission where they have to get surveillance of a guy stealing uh, the knock list. The knock list is the list of all the covert agents, at least in Europe, maybe the world. It's like a CIA list, too, which is interesting because it's the IMF IMF. doing this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, But anyway, it seems like a standard mission. The team is all there. And then things go awry. Everyone starts dying. And the only survivor, it seems, at first is Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, and he is framed by the IMF leader, or at least, I don't know, a middle manager, Kittredge. And uh, Kittredge accuses him of being a mole within the IMF, and uh, Ethan Hunt has to escape and clear his name and uh, also steal the knock list from Virginia. Anyway, he gets a new team together. They do that. And it turns out that the actual mole is John Voight, uh, who was the leader of the team in Prague that supposedly got killed. Mm-hmm. And then a big uh, train action sequence happens. Mm-hmm. It still looks fucking great. Yeah. Really, it, it rules. And then Ethan Hunt wins and... Uh, he does not get the girl. He doesn't get the girl. She dies. We'll touch on the horniness and lack thereof within the Mission Impossible series. Yeah, two wolves. Mm. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll touch on it now. Uh, this movie is directed by Brian Tapama, who is famously horny. 
Uh, his movies are horny and kind of in a fucked up weird way, mm-hmm. uh, which is in great. In a Dutch angle way. In a, oh boy, he loves his Dutch angles. But you know what? They're, They're motivated. motivated. <laughs> this isn't some Tom Hooper shit. Yeah. Uh, they actually oh, exist God. for a reason. Or Ryan Murphy. He's always just had this uncomfortable old man horniness, even before he <laughs> was an old man. And it's there in, in this movie. Mm-hmm. But then it comes up uh, against Tom Cruise, the least horny man alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they try. There's scenes where they're clearly trying to make yeah. it horny. And Tom Cruise just, he is a, a black hole of horniness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it like goes right to his crazy eyes. Which he's especially, like in his younger years, the crazy eyes were worse. Just so intense. Yeah. It's so intense. And I feel like he's learned to modulate it. Yeah, he's much better now uh, in terms of kind of understanding his own face and mm. how to utilize it. <laughs> this is the horniest of the Mission Impossible movies by a wide margin. And I think it's good that the later ones realized... This ain't it. This ain't it. You can't make Tom Cruise horny. So that is maybe my biggest uh, critique against this mm-hmm. film is that it's got the classic De Palma horniness mm-hmm. and the classic Cruz Kendall, like yeah. there's no, no, no. genitalia there don't at all. Don't want that, yeah. Uh, and you don't want it. Like mm-hmm. you don't want Tom Cruise as a sexual being. Right. It's upsetting. No. Emilio I, Estevez, though, if he had been Ethan Hunt, I kind of... That actually would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting. Very sliding doors yeah. here. I'm imagining Emilio's career. I mean, he had a perfectly fine career. Don't He's get me fine. wrong. And I don't think that would have worked for the series as it as exists whole, yeah. today. But for that movie, yeah, Estevez just oozes charisma yeah. in his very short it's, screen time. He is honestly the most memorable character in this whole movie. Uh, and part of that is the way that his character is killed, which is, was so upsetting as a child. I Like, that's the thing that I remembered the most about this movie was uh, poor Emilio getting f- driven into the fucking elevator Knives? Top? Yeah, why, I don't. What are, are the, what are those? What are why they does doing? The elevator there? have all these fucking like swords. <laughs> um, it's bad design. That and the masks, of course, but like mostly like him just getting fucking getting wrecked. wrecked. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think anyone who saw that as a as a child remembers it because uh, God, yeah, it's still upsetting. It's like a frame. Yeah, to do that with no gore. This is like a very bloodless movie, yeah. which is pretty amazing for De Palma. Like yeah. <laughs> from from the guy who brought you Carrie, Scarface, Scarface. Carlito's Way, yeah. Dress to Kill, Body Double, Black Dahlia, Femme Snake Fatale. Eyes, Femme Fatale. Anyway, yeah, like pretty violent, a lot of those, or yeah. at least like kind of upsetting. Yeah, I think the sequels have kind of retconned this movie in a bit in terms of it being like, you know, a paragon of the action genre when there's really only like one real action sequence in this movie. And it's that third act train. It's not even much of a fight. No, it isn't. It's just kind of an endurance test mostly. But before that, the tentpole stunt sequence set piece whatever set set piece of of this movie is the langley job where tom cruise gets the knock list and he's on the wires and as you noted it's totally silent it's great so i feel like i've seen sort of a cinema sins kind of critique against this and i've 
I made it myself were while we were watching this, which is that like, I don't know, man, have a camera in there. Right. All, all this tech of like right? uh, pressure sensitive floors and temperature gauges and lasers. And it's like a fucking camera like you get at Target. Right? <laughs> CCTV has yeah. been a thing for a very long time. Um, but then the movie can't happen. So you know what? Fine. It's fine. Because uh, it is a great sequence. It's so tense. It's so it really like wraps you in there. Well, and so like you said, this is is classified as an action movie, but it's it's a tension movie. It's a yeah. maybe a thriller. A thriller? A spy thriller, yeah. technically? Because uh, that scene in Langley is very tense and very quiet. Mm-hmm. There's no score. The sound design, the editing is, is so great. There's just these little moments of noise, the decibel reader mm-hmm. showing you. It really ratchets it up, you know, the sweat dripping off the glasses and he catches it. That was a huge cultural moment. I remember yeah. as a kid, like it, everyone was parodying it. It yep. was sort of the Matrix before the Matrix. Yeah. You know, where everyone was doing the silly little like him balancing mm-hmm. above the floor, trying not to touch it. And it's it still holds up like i'm shocked by how much this movie holds up yeah the only thing that's truly (laughs) goofy is him on the quote-unquote internet yeah all anything that has to do with the internet or hackings all just astonishingly bad and that was a thing in the 90s this came out in 96 you have to remember that the net was 95 hackers was 94 the lawnmower man was 93 (laughs) aol had three million customers by 1995. So like, this is not like super niche. No. The, the idea of sending an email is not, you know, ooh, look at, yeah. look at what this. What was it? Uh, like uh, Max at, at Max Job, at Job 314. 3.14. And it's like, that's not. And then it changes for the next email that he sends or message to Max at Job 315 because oh. that's the verse. That, but it's like. That's not how no, you do No, that's an not email. a domain. That's not a. <laughs> God damn it, guys. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so I do feel like Hollywood in general is about five years (laughs) behind normal people when it comes to the internet. Like when social media first started popping up in in the mid 2000s, five years later, you started getting representations of it on screen with like bad text pop ups Mm -hmm. and just a fundamental misunderstanding of how something like Facebook or MySpace Mm -hmm. even worked. The internet stuff doesn't even seem that cringy because it's not, it's just just like we need this to happen to move the plot forward. I think that's the thing here is like the internet plays a part in the plot and it's important but it is not the movie whereas right. something like Lawnmower Man or Hackers it that is the, the movie. Whole fucking thing. And like when you don't quite understand the tech mm. it's best to just do a passing reference to it right then like i'm willing to just go along with this goofy john at 314 <laughs> shit <laughs> if it's just like one scene whereas if it's your entire film it's just like oh this is going to age very poorly mm-hmm. and again that's kind of my only big knock on it but otherwise it's fun it's it, it cruises moves. no pun intended <laughs> a little intended uh it cruises right along it's got a great cast There's john some... voight before he went off the deep end oh boy yeah but ving rames and uh let's Jean talk about Reno. irving irving his full name is irving uh, which is great he is fantastic in this and i love the like kind of against type that he gets to play 
play. He's a you hacker. Know? He's, he's a hacker. He's, he's not this some like, little nerdy white guy. Right? This like giant, burly, velvet-voiced black man gets to, gets to be the hacker. Gets to tap away at a, That's at fantastic. a little computer. Yeah, Ving Rhames had a, had a hell of a moment in the 90s. <sighs> He had just done Pulp Fiction a couple of years before Oh, my this. God. It's just a stacked cast, and it's everyone's having fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Henry uh, Cherney? Zerney? Kittredge? Oh, Kittredge. I remember him from, like, that show Revenge on, on ABC that was, like, a big deal for a hot minute. But uh, he is really good in this, and it was interesting hearing his voice because I have, like, a feeling that I have not done the research on <laughs> so take this with a grain of salt but it feels kind of like Hugo Weaving based Agent Smith at least in part on Kittredge the intonation the intonation the, the ticks there's a very specific cadence to Kittredge that it feels like Hugo Weaving was mimicking. Yeah, sort of the faceless government bureaucrat. Yeah. So it's, you know, Mr. Hunt. Yeah. Why don't you just come in and we'll get this all cleared up? Yeah. And then a few years later, it's Mr. Anderson. Anderson. So right, like there's definitely more of an edge to, to Agent, Agent Smith, Smith. Whereas Kittredge is just like, whatever, man, this, this is my job. I do like that in the end, you know, he's... Kind of the good guy. He's the good guy, yeah. Before we get into the Mission Impossible series, I saw a tweet today. Oh, boy. (laughs) And it was about a movie that is not Mission Impossible or any of the films. So the tweet was about Pirates of the Caribbean, and it was that scene where Tom Hollander is walking down the steps of the ship as it's getting blown to smithereens (laughs) by (laughs) cannon fire. And the tweet was saying, like, I miss when big budget movies looked like they had big budgets. Yeah. Uh, that it just was visually stunning. Mm-hmm. And that scene is great. And I was thinking about that while we were watching this movie. It's got style. It's mm-hmm. got flair. De Palma can, can be a bit much from time to time, but it's motivated here. Yeah. Like the Dutch angles mm-hmm. make sense in the context of, of, you know, them sitting in that restaurant where Kittredge is accusing him of being a, yeah. a mole. His world is tilting on its axis. It makes sense. Yeah. It looks expensive in a good way. Mm. Shooting on location certainly helped. The train scene at the end, they weren't on top of a high-speed rail in France. Like that was all... A mix of like green screen, studio, some computer effects, you know, as best they could. Yeah. But it doesn't look janky. It doesn't look fake. It looks great. They did a good job stitching that all together. And it's like, yeah, I can see where the money went. It was well spent money. And at no point is anyone floating around shooting energy beams out of their hands or eyes at each other. It's people. Yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, it's John Voight, like having a fan blown into his face while his like jowls kind of flap. Flap around. And it's very tense it and is. very entertaining. Especially, like, there's a fucking helicopter that gets attached to the train. And pulled into a tunnel. Pull, the, I, the tunnel. The, the tunnel. But also the Mission Impossible budget was allegedly $80 million. Yeah, that's actually quite a bit. So, like, a fair but You can see it on the money. Screen. You can see it, yeah. And the stunt work is so good in this. And the effects all look great. There was nothing that really stood out to me as being, like, bad CGI. Yeah, or... there's, like, one kind of green screen driving scene where you're like, eh. 
That happens most. Now. Yeah, that's again with the feeling kind of like a t- a very 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 good TV episode. Very Don't high, get me wrong. High very high end, very high production value. TV never gets to have good green screen driving. <laughs> no, never. Not once. It's never happened in the history of television. <laughs> it's fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also does have a groundedness to it that I appreciate. It holds up. Check it out. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's one of those movies that seems to... Flits around. Flit around. So maybe buy it on Blu-ray. I feel like I should, because this was another one. Oh, and this is a good segue into my yeah. hot cinema tape. Yeah. So this was another one that I had on VHS as a little kid. Uh, so I saw it many, many times. So what I was thinking about today with the death of physical media is how you don't live with a movie like you used to. Mm-hmm. You end up flipping around onto the different uh, streaming services and kind of watching a a weird mix of different shows and movies, but you're not stuck with like 15 or 20 or 30 movies. Yeah. So the movies that a lot of the ones that we've covered on this show that I remember from my childhood, Mm -hmm. I remember them so well because I watched them like... I don't know, two dozen times. And like very intentionally too. Like, yes, when you are scrolling through a streaming service, you do make a choice. It's often out of frustration, boredom. You've been been scrolling for for an hour. You know, you're just like, I don't know this. But with physical media, like a VHS tape or a DVD, like whenever we watch a Blu-ray or a DVD, we're kind of like, oh God, this is like a whole... It's a production. It's a process. Yeah. Like, got to turn the DVD player on. Where's the remote? Got to, mm. like, t- go over and physically put the disc in and push it um, back in. Oh, and, God, the menus, oh a whole God. little skit that, uh, that yeah, happens. All, all these weird previews for movies, for movies you had forgotten, yeah. which is kind of delightful. But it is, it is like you have to commit yeah. in a way that, streaming services do not make you commit. And it's this weird contradiction where you would think the access to this wide variety of films and TV shows would help. And I guess in some ways it could if you're a really dedicated viewer, if you've got like the Criterion streaming channel. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to its credit, HBO Max does have a lot of good movies. But I think absorbing through osmosis Mm -hmm. how a movie is put together, Mm -hmm. something like Twister, something like Mission Impossible, The Mummy, where you really come to understand how it's, how the structure of it works, how the filmmakers actually put all of this Mm -hmm. time and effort into making this story. That feels like something that you just don't do anymore, that people don't do anymore on the whole, because you've got a million things to cycle through and you're kind of half paying attention not to be like a kids these days are on their phones but we're all on we're all on our phones i've done that we've put on a movie or something and i will like 20 minutes in just look at my phone for 30 seconds and i don't even have twitter on my phone anymore which is great I'm proud of it's you. It's very good. I still I, have it on my phone. I just don't feel, I, I can't remember my password. <laughs> so Someday it, you won't have it on your computer either. Yeah, <laughs> just can't be bothered. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, it's a half-baked hot take because I haven't really given it too much thought, but that's just a feeling I have and who needs more than feelings? We don't that's need That's what a podcast is for. Yeah. Like, it's just oops all feelings yeah. and you know what? I don't care. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's why cinema is dying. 
is because of the streaming services. Whatever's new, I disapprove of it. Yeah, as is as is our right mm-hmm. as people approaching as their are, middle age. Yeah, as middle age looms, I'm going to get crankier and, and shake my fist at the clouds even more. Yeah, because what else is there? <laughs> Nothing left. That's shake it. my fist at the smog. Right? I mean, I'm... You know, part of me is enjoying our uh, trek, yeah, trek towards obsolescence. Like we're we're almost there. Yeah, we're getting there. Like I already don't understand TikTok, and I don't want to. That's, no, that's it's not, not my for business. Me. It's not for me, and that's fine. Great, yeah. everyone else, go go hog, hmm. go hog. That's what the kids <laughs> go say. Hog. There was some slang that some child said in my presence. Uh, like It was like a teen or something. It was like no cap or something. I was like, what the fuck are you talking when about? When were you in the presence of a teen? What have you been up to? Was it a teen or was it someone in their 20s? <laughs> oh my God. We're not even that old. I know. Why are we talking like this? But, but uh, it's, you know, the slang has moved past me and that's yeah. fine. If you try to keep up with it, you look worse. Yeah. How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, exactly. Come on. So, well, should we talk about the Mission Impossible series? Yeah, let's. Should we first talk about uh, how Tom Cruise is bad? Okay, yeah. We should acknowledge Tom Cruise is bad. He's a Scientology bad, is bad. He's a bad person. Scientology has done some real fucked up shit. And uh, uh, I hope that they are destroyed soon yeah. somehow. Yeah, it's this weird kind of thing where I enjoy... Tom Cruise. I enjoy watching his performances. And he's a bad person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm not going to really even try to defend it as as a choice. All I'm really going to say is like, you kind of have to pick your battles. Yeah, we all we all do the moral calculus for a lot of things these yeah. days. And sometimes, you know, for for some people that's like not even watching stuff on Amazon Prime or or, you know, they'll never watch a Woody Allen movie again. And some people like who are very committed to like believing women and whatnot will just be like, you know what, I'm just gonna fucking watch Manhattan or something. Like we all have at least one Thing that we have done the moral calculus on and have gone, you know what? I'll I'll try and make up for it some other way. I'm just going to watch this fucking Mission Impossible movie. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where it's easy to say for me personally, like, oh, I'm not going to watch any more Woody Allen movies. I didn't really watch that many Woody Allen movies. I didn't movies. either. Like, I in film school, I watched uh, Annie Hall in Manhattan. And I remember, not to like pat myself on the back, but I remember watching Manhattan being like, so the whole thing is that he's in love with a 15-year-old? And like in college, I was like, well, that that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Don't love that. Mm-hmm. Looks The movie looks great. Sure. But uh, huh. so it's easy to say like, well, I don't watch Woody Allen movies anymore. I don't watch Roman Polanski movies anymore. <laughs> okay, well, he hasn't made a fucking movie since. Right. I know he did make one after The Pianist, but did he really? <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I'm not going to claim that like morally it's great to watch Tom Cruise movies. Sure. Uh, but also Will Smith movies. and Right? Uh, They're everywhere. John uh, Travolta. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Uh, which, that's a real shame because she's she's a great actress. <laughs> I know. I don't know. That's a long way of saying, like, make your own uh, yeah. call on that. Right? I, I have met people who are vehemently uh, against Tom Cruise, and I certainly can't blame them. Yeah. And with all that being said, here's why I like the Mission Impossible movies. They're just well-made. They're well-constructed. And one thing that I was surprised by while re-watching the first one is how much it did actually set 
the groundwork for the future installments. Yeah. What makes a good Mission Impossible movie is that everything goes to shit. Everyone fucks up a lot. Things go poorly. It seems like they're not going to make it. How's old Ethan Hunt going to wriggle his way out of this one? (laughs) And the fun of watching him wriggle his way out of it. And it's always exciting. There's always now... In these later movies, there's always at least a couple of big crazy stunts. Really crazy stunts. Uh, And that's fun. You don't see that. Like, I know every episode we rag on Marvel movies, but... God damn, there's never really any, like there are, that's not to say there are no stunts in Marvel movies. No, there are. There's some good acrobatics and like. Great wire work. There is skill and, and attention put into some of that stuff, but there's rarely, if ever, a moment in any superhero movie where you're just kind of blown away by like, what the hell am I watching? What is this? This is insane. Yeah, in a way that isn't like, oh, this is crazy, but. I know a computer did this. Yeah. There's a much less sense of stakes. And also, I'm glad you brought up the Marvel movies. I'm going to go back to the fucking TV episode thing again. But the, the thing now is people are like, oh, the Marvel movies are just like television episodes. Basically, they're all supposed to be building blocks that add right. up to a large, that lead up to an event, a crossover, etc. Mission Impossible did that like before the Marvel series. Like It did, but I think one thing that it, does even better than the Marvel movies is that it is an episodic. Yeah. It's very contained. It's there is some serialization like there are characters who repeat and you know maybe a little reference thrown in here and there but I'm not even sure if there really are references. I've never noticed. It's not like Bond like modern Bond. Yeah. Modern modern Bond. Yeah the later later Craig movies where oh it's all connected. It's all Spectre or whatever. It's connected in the sense of like it's the same Ethan Hunt. It's the same people and now it's a new mission. So in that sense, it's all one shared universe. But, but it's more procedural it's than procedural, anything else. It's procedural, exactly. Yeah. Like you can watch Rogue Nation and not have seen any of the others mm-hmm. and have a nice time. And then go watch Ghost Protocol, etc. Like any did, of them. Like there was a bunch where like I hadn't seen the previous I think one or two or Yeah, we watched something. them all out of order. So like I think we watched Fallout first and then Ghost Protocol or maybe vice versa. I honestly don't. Those are the two best ones. Anyway. Remember what they're even about. Uh, but like, it doesn't matter. I had like a pretty fun time. It's a fun time where like, you know, something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. There's going to be a nuke going off and you got to stop it. And then, oh no, just in the next yeah. time they do it. Like the stakes have raised in the later movies in a way that this first one is just like, we got to get a disc from Right. We, we can't have these CIA operatives covers be blown. Right. Like, very, very simple stakes. Another thing I do appreciate is, like, as much as the stakes have raised in the newer ones, it's still manageable in the sense of, like, a city or a region might get blown up. Right. But it's not the world. Yeah. It's not the universe. The universe. It's just a bad thing is going to happen somewhere, and mm-hmm. we have to stop it. Yeah. Uh, and every movie, everyone gets disavowed. Uh, <laughs> You know, everyone has to go go rogue and oh no, and disavowed it out. by the IMF, shaking in my boots. Right, like you 
fucking babies. Come on. So in Fallout, Angela Bassett uh, runs one of the other agencies, and she and Alec Baldwin, who is the head of the IMF, oh, right. uh, get into a little like spat on, on the tarmac, and she's basically like, you guys are just running around in rubber masks fucking things up. Like, this is <laughs> weird baby shit. What are you doing? Like, let the adults do this. And it's like, yeah, she's got it. Angela yeah. Bassett has a point. She always has a point as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she got a groove back. <laughs> So I, I appreciate that the movies have a sense of humor about themselves, um, which is funny because Tom Cruise isn't a particularly funny guy. Right. But they do understand that they have to surround him by fairly charismatic and interesting people. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job with that. Angela Bassett, Alec Baldwin, you know, Simon Pegg, Henry Cavill. I hope Henry Cavill. No, he died in the... That's a shame. Not the character, not Henry. Henry Henry Cavill Cavill is is alive and well as far as he's very handsome. Uh, Yeah. God, he was so good in in Fallout. Just cocking his arm guns and and punching. What a great scene. Kicky punchy. Kicky punchy. I mean, that whole bathroom (laughs) scene is one of the all timers. It's very good. Of of the whole series. Yeah. There aren't a lot of fight scenes in in this first one. No. Uh, Are there any? No, not really. Like, John Voight kind of kicks... He like punches uh, and Tom kicks Cruise's Tom Cruise like twice. Yeah, like rams him into some shelves. And just knocks him <laughs> and out. Knocks like, him out. You little and fucking baby. Like, yeah, it's interesting the evolution of that. Also, the fights in the later movies are well choreographed. Yeah. and well shot. Like it's not all shaky and God, cutty. Shaky and so you tell me what the real problem is with a lot of. I would love to. F- whatever right. you're gonna say. Uh, no. What is the real problem with? fight scenes in movies and TV. Is it the editing? Are are directors just not getting what they should be getting? Does no one know how to shoot a fight scene these days? What's what's happening? Why does it all look so... Why do I hate it all? I think it's kind of all of those, honestly. That that feels like sort of an easy answer, uh, but I think it's a lack of time. You know, your budget and and your... You're, you've got your AD saying, like, we've got to shoot five pages today. <laughs> and so you have to shoot a fight scene in half a day. And the only way you can get the coverage and actually get what you need is to have the camera shake around and know that you're going to cut at every arm swing, every yeah. fist swing, every kick. And you can cut around so much of, like, the honestly just kind of bad choreography. Not because anybody involved is actually bad at their jobs. They just don't have time to do it right. Yeah. And, I mean, the big problem there is that over time people will get bad at their jobs because there's no call for that sort of expertise. You know, if you go back and look at like a Jackie Chan movie, it's more than just like shooting wide and following the action. That's a big part of it. But it's also about like motivated cutting. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice that when he cuts in most of his movies, he'll actually keep a few frames in. So you'll see the hit happen twice. And you don't consciously register it. Yeah. But it helps you follow the action yeah. because you're basically being shown the action twice. Yeah. So it just helps you guide you through the fight mm-hmm. and keep you oriented. Mm-hmm. And it makes the hits worth it too. And the the hits feel harder yeah. because you're seeing the hits. Yeah. It's sort of the old like show the explosion five times mm-hmm. kind of thing, which I think should come back. <laughs> uh, but like now it's, yeah, I don't want to blame any of the people actually shooting these things because yeah. I think overall there's just no time and no money 
for them to actually execute it correctly. I'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of them would love to. Yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of great fight choreographers out there and, you know, people who are well-trained. And I'm sure a lot of the directors don't love that this is how they have to do it. And that's, you know, I'm sure there are also some cases where the director doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, but thinks they do. And just like, well... (laughs) The Bourne movies did right. it, and they made a lot of money. It's like, you're not Doug Lyman, man. Right, and even the Bourne movies, really, that first one can pull it off. After that, they sort of yeah. go to hell. Like, they're not very good fight scene-wise. Yeah, that's all a long way of saying, like, the later Mission Impossible movies have done a good job of having coherent, you know, well-choreographed action. That's something that, like, John Wick 3 mm-hmm. has really solid action sequences. I finally watched Nobody uh, with Bob Odenkirk, mm. who I love. Yeah, um, the best wishes to Bob. Truly just iconic in so many of his roles. And he did a perfectly good job, but it's a mediocre movie. Mm. I know a lot of people tried to make it into something great, and the fight scenes were kind of shaky and cutty, mm-hmm. uh, which is a shame. Mm. And I kind of wonder if like they just didn't have the time to do all of these scenes right. correctly. Could also be that, you know, Bob Odenkirk's kind of getting older and he had not a fucking action- heart attack. He a, well, yeah, he had a heart attack, but he's also not an action star. Right. He's a comedian. Like yeah. He's a comedy star. Also, here's my hottest uh, critique of mm. nobody. Oh, boy. He doesn't scream once in the entire movie. So if you're a Bob Odenkirk fan... You know that Bob Odenkirk yelling is like the height <laughs> the funniest of comedy. Thing, yeah. He brought so much to non-comedy shows like Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. where him just going off the rails <laughs> is deeply entertaining. And at no point in that goddamn movie oh, does no. he go off the rails. I was I kept waiting for him to have that Surely. moment and start beating up a bunch of Russians, and it would have been hilarious and great, and it never happens. No. And for that, I'd knock like two stars oh, off of wow. my review just for that alone. Like, why bring Bob Odenkirk in? You're not gonna... Like, all right, Keanu Reeves, he's quieter. Like, he's he's got yeah. that, that intense, quiet energy. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk is a fucking hurricane. Yeah. Like, use that, you asshole. Anyway, nobody. Watch it on a plane. <laughs> Split into like three different flights, yeah. too. Well, they were short flights. It's not even a long movie. It's like 90 minutes, which I do give it credit That's for. That's great. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That, I'm a real missed opportunity. Yeah. It did make me think as I was watching the third part and the, mm-hmm. the third act of Nobody <laughs> that like the latest Mission Impossible movie has been delayed several times because of the pandemic. Yeah. I think it's supposed to come out now, not until like 2023. Yeah, they pushed it. Yeah. Which is a bummer. I was thinking about how in Ghost Protocol, they brought in Jeremy Renner. Oh, right. Jeremy Renner was brought into two franchises. I was going to say, The Bourne. He was the next Bourne. He was the Bourne legacy. Oh my gosh. And both times, audiences were like, no, (laughs) we don't accept this. And he just quietly got sort of like retconned. He's not in the late, he's not in any of the, I don't know if he's in Rogue Nation. If he is, it's not for very long. But he's not in the newer Mission Impossibles, and that's for the best. I I don't know, man. I don't really see his appeal. <laughs> he started that app. That was the best thing he ever did. That was hilarious. <laughs> Just a rat. An app about yourself for your, for renheads. Like I wish I had joined. I'm sa- kind of sad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the funniest and best thing he'd ever done. Uh, so I don't know, man. You know how The Rock always says, like, "Oh, I get brought in to save franchises." <laughs> 
It's like Renner gets brought in to, <laughs> to just <laughs> tank yeah. a franchise. It's like, oh no, just kidding. It's just like Jack Donaghy trying to tank NBC. Just like, we got to kill oh this God. thing. Get Renner in here. Give him a talk show. Yeah. Put him on The View. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Oh, wait, I think that's ABC. That yeah. is ABC. Yeah. yeah. Eh. The Today Show. Replace go. Matt Lauer with Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Renner. Renner. Why not? Fuck it. But yeah, he got retconned out of the movies, and it's just the Tom Cruise show it's... now. And uh, look, man, the guy knows how to run. He yeah, knows... he has a very specific running style. And it looks great. It works, It yeah. looks great. He, um, knows, he knows what's up. He's a he's a good action star. Another movie I watched again recently was Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, it's so good. And that movie really understands Tom Cruise's weird, upsetting energy mm-hmm. in like the perfect way. Mm-hmm. So if you can get over his whole Scientology thing. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. That's sort of the thing. Those Scientologists are everywhere. They're in so many movies, so much of our, our media diet. They're like. in your home right now. <gasps> ah! Travolta. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, it's it's not great, but uh, at least he's making fun movies. Right. They look good. They're colorful. We also, we did uh, double moral badness with this, where we watched this on Amazon. I, yeah, I don't feel great about it. At but, least uh, we're getting the password from somebody. No, no, we... we and we pay for we, it we, fully. We, uh, that was a joke. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's increasingly difficult to, like, do anything, like, to just live a life. I know that this is, like, the crux of the good place, was, yeah. like, it's literally impossible to live a good life. So, you know, just try and be nicer to each other, I guess. You know, give... Just give, try and make up for it by giving to a mutual aid network. Give to a mutual aid network. Give to some Patreons who, who make stuff you like. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you'll feel better about watching a Mission Impossible movie on right? Amazon Prime. Because, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That's that. But uh, we all got to try and squeeze some joy out of this burning hellscape Miserable that we've created for ourselves existence. that others have created for us by the way we right. didn't do this i would happily not buy things from amazon or or you know i would i would do my best if yeah. like local shops were all that was available to me absolutely but never in my fucking life has that been the case? Like, you at least grew up in, like, small-town Maine. There was technically, like... I don't know, your, gro- local your, 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 grocery, that your grocery store was, like, a family-owned... Buds. Uh, buds. Whereas I lived in the, you know, central Florida suburbs, and it was just, oops, all chains, all national chains. And that's how most people live. Like, you can't get away from it. Right. Uh, you know, and I I wouldn't recommend living where I grew up. It it sucks massively. Yeah, yeah it's a bad uh, place. And uh, that Buds is now owned by a chain. Yeah. So go figure. There's kind of no escaping it. So don't beat yourselves up too much about it. But right. also, if you don't want to watch I get uh, it. Scientologist movies, that is totally understandable. Yep. Um, I find joy in them. I'm glad they're getting made. They're well-crafted movies. And there's... They employ a lot of people, too. And, you know, a lot of... 
artisans who put a lot of hard work into yeah. them and uh, it shows it's one like kind of the only big budget franchise going right now where it feels like they care about the work they care about the final product mm. uh, and there are some you know I, I think dune was one where it seemed like they yeah. actually cared about what was there was going a on lot screen. of work that went into dune yeah that's like, for sure and i hope there are more dune movies and they do well that's great um, I, I want that hopeful that there will be more like this but also, Tom Cruise is getting old. He can't do this shit forever. Yeah. And you're not getting the Renner Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll try to reboot him with somebody else. Maybe there's somebody out there who can who can pull it off. Or maybe <laughs> they'll... Chalamet. Oh, my God. That'd be very funny. <laughs> I'm kind of a Chalamet head. I'm not going to lie. He's, no, he's very compelling. Yeah. I'm, I'm I enjoy him. watching him. Yeah. I don't want it to overstay its welcome as a series. There's... Yeah, I, I got burned by Arrested Development Season 4. Oh, like, yeah. A series should run its course and end, um, but I'm I'm grateful that it's here now. I hope we get at least a couple more movies yeah. uh, before Tom Cruise falls off a building <laughs> or, or gets sucked into a jet engine or whatever. Jesus, uh, I think that's how he wants to go out. Honestly, I feel like that'd be an appropriate way for him it to would. go. Anyway, if you haven't seen it in a while, Mission it's Impossible is worth on. Checking out. Amazon Prime or buy it. I recommend buying it on Blu-ray, not from Amazon. Yeah. Oh, here's a hot tip. So I've been buying more physical media <laughs> lately and I buy it through a website called Bull Moose. And that is a very small local chain in New England where I grew up that is somehow still alive. They used to mostly sell CDs. That's um, crazy. And somehow they're still kicking. It's still selling physical them. media and their website is kind of janky, looks sort of web 1.0-ish, but it works though. It works. You can find a ton of cheap Blu-rays and even cheaper DVDs, like Blu-rays for six bucks of, of good movies. That's where I've gotten everything. I haven't bought a single Blu-ray off of Amazon. And, or eBay. Or eBay. I know I did buy one off eBay oh. recently. I, I couldn't find it on Bull Moose. That does happen. Their selection isn't like Amazon. Sure. But I'd say like 95% of the movies I bought have been on Bull Moose. So go there. Google uh, Bull Moose Music. It'll come up. Yeah. And then you just get it shipped to you. It comes not that much slower than, than Amazon. Yeah. And uh, you've got some physical media for when uh, the apocalypse happens and you're running your Blu-ray player. <laughs> on off, a generator. Yeah. Or, you know, watch it on Amazon Prime. Whatever. It's fine. We're not going to judge you. Yeah. This is a judgment-free podcast. Although we do judge a lot of things. We're not judging time. the viewers <laughs> or the listeners. We're, we're judging. Mostly. Every, yeah, mostly. We might a little bit. No promises. Yeah. <laughs> you can't judge us for judging you. Kink shaming is my kink. So uh, we finally got to, you know, one of the namesakes. Yeah. Um, we also did Total Recall a while back. Listen so. to it. It's good. I hadn't seen it and yeah. I was marveling at it. Total it's Recall great. is great. Mission Impossible is better than I remember, honestly. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So check that out and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.